A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. Apologies if there's a little bit of background rumbly uh, that's not normally here. I've had to get my backup heater on, balmy 40 degrees when I walked into my office this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking with Zach Ford of the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association here in just a moment. You know, the uh, 30-day legislative session is underway. Governor Michelle Luan Grisham unveiling, uh, as we knew she was going to do, um, a laundry list of gun control items, the things that she had called for last year that uh, she could not convince her fellow Democrats to pass, uh, things like a 14-day waiting period. Uh, she has also adopted the uh, Go Safe Act, that's the latest semi-auto ban, uh, offered at the federal level by uh, Senator Angus King of Maine, Senator Martin Heinrich of New Mexico. And uh, Governor Grisham wants lawmakers to uh, pass that gun ban this session as well. So, you know, we've seen these polls showing majority of New Mexicans want lawmakers to focus on violent crime, right? Not law-abiding gun owners. They are not in favor of the uh, public health emergency that uh, Governor Grisham has declared over gun violence, uh, as well as, again, the uh, accompanying uh, bans on concealed carry originally throughout the entirety of Albuquerque. And Bernalillo County, when a judge struck that out, she said, oh, well, what about parks and playgrounds in uh, Albuquerque and Bernalillo County? Um, folks aren't really in favor of that either. They are telling the legislature to go in another direction. But Governor Grisham is demanding that the Democratic majority embrace, endorse and approve a host of anti-gun measures. So let's get the latest with uh, Zach Ford of the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association. Take a look and a listen. Zach, thanks for coming back on the show. It's good to see you again, sir. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I mean, gun owners need to know what's going on in New Mexico, uh, particularly those who live in the state of New Mexico. But even gun owners in the other 49 states need to be aware of what uh, Governor Grisham is doing here. I mean, you've got everything mm -hmm. from a sweeping semi-auto ban, right? Uh, the state level version of the Go Safe Act that was introduced by uh, Angus King and Martin Heinrich in the U.S. Senate. The longest waiting period in the nation, right? A 14-day waiting period bill. Uh, you've got gun and ammo taxes. I mean, excuse me? I would say it's 14 business days. Not just 14 days, 14 business days. Good Lord. Good Lord. So we, uh, we're talking like, you know, three weeks. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? I mean, these are the bills that have been introduced just in the past yeah. couple of days. Yeah. So, you know, just to bring everyone's uh, you just kind of bring everyone up to speed in what's going on in New Mexico right now. Right now, this is what we call a 30 day budget session, meaning it's really only supposed it's 30 days. It's only supposed to be where the, they come in, they pass a budget for the year, they go home. That's the way it's supposed to be. New Mexico is alternating 30 day, 60 day sessions. This year is supposed to be a 30 day budget session. They are going to introduce probably about a dozen gun control bills that are going to try and ram through in 30 days. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at. You know, this governor is still continuing to push on through this exe her executive orders. Uh, she tried to basically ban the Second Amendment, you know, undoing the Constitution through executive order in Bernalillo County. And that's when we and New Mexico Shooting Sports Association, we stepped up, we sued her in court, and we got a, an injunction against the most of that order. Um, you know, there's still some debate over what's, you know, you can you carry in playgrounds. But I mean, that's 
that's a debate we're having about, you know, sensitive, what is and is not, what is and is not a sensitive place under Bruin, you know, I think that's going to be a debate that's going to go on in courts for some time. Um, so, you know, this governor, she tried to nullify the Second Amendment through executive order. Now she's trying to nullify the Second Amendment through legislative action in 30 days. So that's really all. I mean, if New Mexicans don't step up, we could see drastic reductions in just 30 days. I mean, that's how quick this stuff is. You know, some of the stuff it made, if passed, it made take a while to take effect. It could take effect immediately, meaning you know, we, you could see significant um, infringements on your rights happening in New Mexico in 30 days if you don't get step up and get involved right now. You know, we're she's talking about a, a ban on semi-automatic rifles. She's talking about a bill to make it illegal for anyone under the age of 21 to possess a firearm. Uh, talking about bills to put taxes on guns and ammunition. Talking about bills to basically try to turn, try to do what California did in some ways and create a lot of quote-unquote sensitive places and, you know, and undo the Bruin decision in New Mexico because she couldn't do that through executive order because of court stopper. Now she's trying to see if she can do something legislatively. Um, you know, we're talking about the 14 business day waiting period. Uh, she's also pushing for a bill that would basically put gun owner, gun uh, retailers and manufacturers in New Mexico out of business because it'd be so easy for anybody off the street to sue them. Uh, you know, if, if a gun store caused you emotional distress, you could sue them for it. I mean, that's basically what she's trying to push. You know, these bills would put gun, I mean, so every anti-gun zealot in the state of New Mexico could all of a sudden sue every gun store in the state because it causes them, quote-unquote, emotional distress under some of the stuff that they're doing. So, in we have, like I said, this is a 30-day session. We're going to see about a dozen bills introduced. And if these bills all pass, we're going to see basically the Second Amendment nullified in the state of New Mexico in 30 days. You know, I mean, when you lay out... The, the the bills that are coming, as you say, this is this is not nibbling away at our right to keep and bear arms, right? This isn't even taking a big bite out of our right to keep and bear arms. This is obliterating our right to keep and bear arms. And yes. what is so uh, well, there, there are so many things that are offensive about this. But but what is particularly repugnant uh, about this, Zach, is, you know, we've seen in the aftermath of Governor Grisham's attempt to unilaterally ban the right to carry in Albuquerque and Bernalillo County. Polls showing that the vast majority of New Mexicans disagreed with the governor's approach, mm -hmm. right? They want to see uh, lawmakers focus on criminals, not law-abiding gun owners, right? Um, and yet this, this yeah. is a doubling and tripling down of, no, no, gun owners, you are the problem, right? It's not the, it's not the gangbangers. It's not the drug dealers. It's not the, uh, you know, people who are getting in these uh, beefs who are too young to legally own a gun. No, no, it's you, the lawful gun owners who we're going to focus on and we're going to prioritize and we're going to try to go after this year. Yeah. That's, you know, that's been what she's done all along. She's entirely turned. New Mexico has numerous socioeconomic opportunity violence, failed school system violence, cycles of abuse violence, uh, failed CYFD violence. There are so many drivers of the violence we're seeing in our state. And then we get to this criminal justice system that refuses to hold anybody accountable until they do something horrific, like kill several people. I mean, up until that point, they're just given slaps on the wrist, given probation, had charges deferred, dismissed, whatever. Um, and they're there's no consequences when you commit crime in New Mexico, to be very blunt. And so we get to this point now, but now she wants to say, oh, the people who want to carry a firearm to protect themselves from all these people that we won't protect you from, you guys are the problem. That is her core message right now, is that the people who commit crimes 
are not the problem. The people who want to protect themselves from the people committing crimes are the problem. That is honestly what she told us. Uh, she believes yesterday in her state of the state speech. And this is why it's so important for New Mexicans, not just gun owners, but all New Mexicans. I mean, this stuff affects your constitutional rights. Uh, there's also bills to kind of, you know, further try to nullify the Fourth Amendment right to due process uh, through what they're trying to do through some of these changes to uh, New Mexico's quote unquote red flag law um, that's actually been rarely used because it was really terrible. It's a terrible, it's a bad idea to begin with, uh, to really to take away due process from people before you take away their rights. But the way they kind of orchestrated it in New Mexico, um, it's just been really ineffective. And part of that's due to our crim criminal justice system that cannot function properly. I mean, it's, it's, I know I may sound like a broken record talking about a broken criminal justice system, but it, it truly cannot just function properly, um, is what it just boils down to. Yeah. And, and, you know, listen, I mean, as we see, I think that makes all the difference in terms of fighting violent crime. Um, I, I talked about this at Bearing Arms a couple of days ago. Oakland, California, with all of the gun control laws that California has in place, had about twice the number of homicides as Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, a constitutional carry state with very, very few gun laws. Oakland has about 250,000 fewer people than Oklahoma City, and yet it had double the number of homicides. So it's not about putting gun laws on the books, right? Criminals don't obey those laws. We talk about this all the time. Uh, you, you you try to restrict lawful activity. OK, you may or may not be successful. Right. We are seeing a growing amount of civil disobedience to these unconstitutional edicts around the country. But you're certainly not going to stop the homicides, the carjackings, the assaults that aren't committed by responsible law abiding gun owners to begin with. Um, so, you know, you can keep hammering that because I think it's an important point. You know, they want to talk about, well, we need gun control because of public safety. But the gun control laws that they're trying to put in place have no impact on public safety. They impact gun ownership, right? And if that's their argument, well, the only way to improve our violent crime rate is to disarm lawful gun owners, then make that argument. But you're not going to hear the governor say that, right? We hear this, oh, I support the Second Amendment, but it absolutely is meaningless to me because we're going to obliterate that right anyway. Um now, I will say that, you know, some of what the governor's proposed, she proposed last year and she didn't get her way. Uh, these bills did not get to her desk. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, Zach, do you feel confident that that there are some persuadables? I mean, you've got a Democratic majority in the House and Senate. But does that mean that every one of those Democratic lawmakers is a rock ribbed prohibitionist or, or are some of them, again, persuadable right now? You know, what we do every year is work to build as large of a coalition as we can. You know, we bring in people from all across the state, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, other third parties, um, to, to build as big a coalition as we can. Because what we found is, you know, there's a lot of people who are not Republicans. They may be Democrats, they may be Independents, but they, they're they New Mexicans who love their gun rights. In fact, you know, if based on the data that I've seen, the the party representation of the majority of Mexican gun owners is none of the above because gun owners don't belong to just Republicans in Mexico. They don't belong to just Democrats. They're they're everyone. And, I'm, you know, the largest group is just none of the above. So we what we try to do is bring in as many gun owners and people who support the Second Amendment as we possibly can and then get to work, you know, educating our legislators, because yes, there are some legislators who are persuadable. We've worked with them in the past. We brought them over to our side on some big votes and some key votes that we needed them. And we're going to work to continue to do that again. But I really want to emphasize, you know, this is not just, uh, we're not working with just Republicans. You know, I mm -hmm. think we have some good Republicans who really support the Second Amendment in our state. We've got some good Democrats who support the Second Amendment too. We're going to be working with those with those individuals um, and working to build as broad a coalition as we can. You know, we get the 
the hunters groups in there. We get ranchers groups in there. Um, we get a lot of different interest groups in there, as many as we can, you know, some civil, every civil liberty group that we can. Um, so basically, we try to build a broad of a coalition as we possibly can to fight against this stuff. Because I think we, what you're really going to find is when you put you know, party ID aside, you're going to find a majority of the Mexicans support the Second Amendment and support our right to keep and bear arms. So that's the group we work to identify every year in the legislature. And that's the group that we uh, we were going to we're going to work with again this year. All right. Listen, with the 30 day session, um, things are obviously going to be happening very, very quickly. So uh, what's the best way for gun owners in New Mexico to keep track of, you know, committee hearings where they have had the opportunity to testify or something like that? Is that something that the New Mexico Shooting Sports Association will have on your website or on your social media? Absolutely. So um, we're going to put out all that information on uh, through our email alerts uh, and also through social media and on our website. You know, we typically get alerts out there faster than anybody else. Uh, a lot of times our stuff is in real time as it happens during committee because we got people. New Mexico Shooting Sports Association has somebody watching and participating in every single uh, committee meeting when there is a gun control bill being brought up. We're constantly watching the legislative website. We're constantly talking to people in Santa Fe, legislators, lobbyists, uh, so on and so forth. So we're going to be putting out information a lot of times in real time through our email alerts, which are totally free at nmssa.org. Go there today, sign up. Those alerts are totally free because we want everyone to get involved in this. You can also find us on uh, Twitter, now known as X, uh, Instagram and Facebook as New Mexico Shooting Sports Association or just NM Shooting Sports Association. Go follow us there because we we put out all this information totally free for everyone because we want everyone in New Mexico who cares about our Second Amendment rights to get involved. So we're going to be putting all this information faster than anybody else. So go out there, uh, follow us. Uh, if, you, if you feel so inclined, donate to us to support the mission that we're doing, because this really is a uh, I, we really could see the Second Amendment basically abolished in New Mexico in 30 days if people don't get involved. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and listen, you know, if if that happens, I know there's going to be a court fight. I know you guys will be going back to court. You'll be challenging every one of these laws. But it is always better to defeat a bad bill than to try to overturn a bad law. Right. This is the time to to draw a line in the sand and say, no, we're not going to get these bills uh, to, to Governor Grisham's desk. These are an affront to our rights. Um, and we do need folks to stand up and speak up, speak out, contact their lawmakers, you know, and, and especially this year, I, I can't imagine, Zach, I mean, I've been covering Second Amendment issues for 20 years. Um, granted, I haven't, you know, been delving uh, all that deeply into New Mexico legislation each and every session, but I don't remember anything like this uh, in Santa Fe before now. I mean, we've had, you know, a year where they'll introduce a red flag bill. Uh, or, or they'll introduce universal background checks and maybe one or two other bills. But as you say, this is Governor Grisham throwing the kitchen sink at, at gun owners, yeah. right? Uh, this is this from from A to Z. If, if these bills were to pass, you're right. The Second Amendment would, well, I won't say it would cease to exist, but it would be the, the governor and the legislature would attempt to nullify our right mm -hmm. to keep and bear arms. That's exactly what you're. That's exactly what would happen. Exactly. So, I mean, we saw a whole bunch of bills brought last year in a 60 day session, which, you know, there's a little more time to work with there. But we're basically seeing a huge repeat of everything that kind of failed last year uh, being brought again this year. Um, so it's really important because we are. Um, we are seeing this flood of bills come in. It's going to be somewhat, somewhat overwhelming to people. And, you know, trust me, as you know, we're trying to send out alerts on, you know, a dozen different bills, that's going to be kind of challenging to work with. So. 
So hang with us. We're working hard. We're putting out some information. It may seem confusing how many, because we're going to see different versions of some of the same bills is probably what's going to happen. Um, and they, that's a tactic they use to kind of, you know, see, you know, which one's going to go here, which one's going to go there. Uh, so there's a lot of games being played. I mean, it, it's Santa Fe. It's, it's notorious uh, for some of the, the backroom politics. I mean, I'll say it that way. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen. It's going to seem frustrating at times, uh, but the, we just have to hang with it and fight for our rights. Because if we don't, we're going to see a huge shift in a very short period of time in the in the in the Second Amendment rights, and not just Second Amendment. A lot of your a lot of constitutional rights in New Mexico. You know, you talked earlier about building that broad coalition. Um, I'm curious, have you reached out to law enforcement? Uh, you know, when it came to Governor Grisham's original edict. Get everybody from the attorney general uh, to the sheriff of Bernalillo County to the Albuquerque police chief say, listen, we're not enforcing this. Um, I am guessing that there are some pretty strong opinions within law enforcement, not just county sheriffs, but uh, but chiefs as well when it comes to things like, uh, you know, the Go Safe Act or the, uh, uh, you know, raising the uh, taxes or imposing all these new gun free zones uh, on gun owners. Yeah. So what what you're finding in New Mexico is a lot of the like the state police chief, he reports directly to the governor. So, of right. course, he has to go out there and kind of uh, do what the governor tells him to do, for the lack of a better term. Um, you also see some of the, the police chiefs of like Albuquerque, Santa Fe, Las Cruces. Um, you know, they serve at the pleasure of very progressive mayors there. So sometimes, you know, they'll come out. Um, and go testify in favor of stuff. But what you really find is that when you talk to the core of law enforcement, not the people who are serving at the pleasure of, of a very progressive individual, but when you, when you talk to the Sheriff's Association, when you talk to the rank and file state police officers, Albuquerque police officers, they're very much opposed to this stuff. Um, you know, when the governor first came out with that order, um, I in Bernalillo County, I had BCSO, APD guys telling me, I'm not enforcing this, I don't care what they say. Um, so we're we're gonna see we're gonna work closely with law enforcement. Kind of our main partner is the Mexico Sheriffs Association. They've been very active in the past. Uh, we're gonna look to them to you know be active again this year, uh, which I expect they will be in the different ways that they work. Uh, so there's we do work with law enforcement because I think you're gonna find like the broad majority of law enforcement in New Mexico opposes what they're trying to do here because they're the ones being put on the line uh, yeah. to kind of enforce these schemes. And they, this is not they don't want to risk their life to infringe on somebody's rights. Um, is is basically, basically the message that law enforcement tells me. Um, so yeah, you're going to see, you know, the people who the people like Albuquerque police chief, Santa Fe police chief, state police chief, who serve at the pleasure of very progressive individuals, they're going to go out there and testify and say what they need to say to keep their jobs. But the rank and file is really opposed to this kind of stuff. Is basically the message uh, that I've gotten uh, from numerous conversations with law enforcement officers from law enforcement officers from across our state. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, as I told you before we started recording here, you've got an open invite. Uh, please come back anytime you need to get the word out about something. I'll, I'll be calling on you again, I'm sure, um, probably in a week or so, uh, maybe a little bit longer, just to give folks an update yep. on what's happening during this 30-day session. But uh, again, New Mexico Shooting Sports Association, um, make sure that you are getting those email alerts. As Zach said, it's absolutely free. If you can donate, fantastic, but at least stay informed and educated so you can be engaged this session. Zach, thank you for everything you do out there in the land of enchantment. Uh, and I really appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us today. Best of luck to you and all of the New Mexico gun owners. And I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thanks. We'll talk again soon.
My thanks to Zach for joining me on the program. We are going to be paying very, very close attention to what's going on here over the next couple of weeks in New Mexico. But if you're a New Mexico gun owner, please stay in contact with your state representative, your state senator. I don't care if they're a Republican or a Democrat. Again, we had Democrats uh, refuse to take up some of these gun bills last year. So they need to know that they're, no matter what the governor is saying, their constituents are telling them, leave our rights alone. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there. I, I, I kind of feel bad about going to CWB Chicago um, as frequently as I do, but man, the folks who run that website do a great job of covering the criminal justice system, uh, as well as, you know, cops and courts, basically, uh, in the city. And it seems like almost every day, I mean, actually, I probably could have a CWB Chicago story every day for a recidivist report. I try not to go to that well too often, but I saw this headline. I, I just couldn't stop myself. 18-time convicted felon gets probation for puffy coat bandit cases. That's right. Now, I, I will say the last three convictions for this 18-time felon come from these most recent cases, the Puffy Coat Bandit cases. Um, Tim Heckey of CW Chicago writes, last winter, uh, they prowled restaurants and bars, stealing customers' phones, wallets, and purses while wearing black puffy winter coats that quickly earned them a headline-friendly nickname, the Puffy Coat Bandits. Chicago police eventually made two arrests, including 15-time, at the time, convicted felon Jerome Sharp, who was dubbed a ringleader of the Puffy Coat Bandits by uh, Alderman Brian Hopkins. Sharp... Took a plea deal recently, uh, pleaded guilty to three felonies, two of them related to puffy coat bandit allegations, and he was sentenced to probation in every one of these cases. Previous felony convictions include uh, three thefts in 2012. Um, Heck, he writes that the, proba- the probation in that uh, case was terminated unsatisfactorily. Convicted of theft in 2014, got a three-year prison sentence. Convicted of theft in 2016, got a three-year prison sentence. Nine felony theft and ID thefts in 2020. For that, he received a concurrent two-year prison sentence. Aggravated DUI that same year, a case that also included stolen car allegations. He received a one-year prison sentence for that crime. Uh, And here we again have three more guilty pleas, felony theft, uh, identity theft for using someone's credit card and aggravated fleeing from police in an unrelated matter. And the uh, two different judges, uh, Judge Lauren Edinen and Judge Ursula Woloski, sentencing Sharp to two years of probation in each and every one of these cases. Now, I, I mean, look, he's had multiple three-year prison sentences that weren't three years long, by the way. He had a theft conviction that led to a three-year sentence in 2014. He had another conviction in 2016 that supposedly led to another three-year sentence. So I will say that putting Mr. Sharp in prison doesn't seem to have uh, helped him change his ways. But then again, neither has probation. So I'm going to go out on what I think is a pretty sturdy limb here and say this is the not the last time that the uh, Cook County criminal justice system is going to be dealing with Mr. James Sharp. Now, today's uh, armed citizen story from uh, Paducah, actually Butler County, Missouri, um, on the eastern side of the state near the uh, Kentucky state line, Butler County, where uh, the sheriff says a man shot during an alleged burglary has passed away. It was about 3 o'clock Saturday morning. Sheriff Mark Dobbs says that deputies responded to a home 
uh, on reports of a shooting. They were told of the scene that an intruder had tried to break in to the home. The homeowner shot him five times. The suspect, later identified as 37-year-old Darren Veneman of Chinute, Kansas, was airlifted to a hospital in Memphis. Sheriff said that Veneman passed away from his injuries on Tuesday morning, but he says the homeowner will not be charged because he acted in self-defense. We don't have a lot of details other than uh, just the bare bones reporting. Hopefully, we'll get uh, more information as uh, time goes on. But uh, it is good to know that the homeowner is not facing charges for acting to protect themselves from that intruder. And finally today, our good deed of the day, got to thank Gary for sending this my way. Thank you, sir. Uh, from the uh, Twin Cities area. Motorist sees truck fall from Skyward Launch, races down to Icy Crow River, and rescues pinned driver. I, I can only imagine, you know, you're you're there driving on the road, and all of a sudden you see a truck fall from the sky. That's not what you expect to see. But Christopher Kirk uh, wasn't dismayed or stunned into inaction uh, when he saw that box truck launch skyward and crash into the uh, Crow River. He said, I saw someone who was on the border or the edge of dying. He said, I'm just going to help get this guy out. So he quickly raced down to the river's edge. Soon he was waist deep in the water in Minnesota in January, trying to help the truck's driver break free. Other good Samaritans stopped their vehicles as well. They were also trying to help. Uh, Christopher Kirk, who's 46 years old, says his left shoulder and head were in the water. And he could feel the river's current move the driver and himself around as he was trying to free this guy from behind the wheel. Uh, State Patrol Lieutenant Jill Frankfurth says the truck's driver, 25-year-old James Nall, was uh, heading north when he struck a guardrail, veered to the left, then struck the left guardrail, and then launched down into the river. Kirk was the first of several drivers, as I said, who parked on the shoulders, ran down towards the river in an effort to help Nall. Uh, Kirk said that he saw Nall pinned in the cab, his seatbelt still on, facing to the right to get his mouth out of the water. Temperature was zero. At the time, in Hennepin County, Kirk said, he asked the driver, are you okay? After getting an affirmative response, Kirk said, let's get the hell out of here. So they were able to get him onto the flatbed behind the cab of the truck uh, and then were able to get out of the water, start to make their way back up the hill. You had others, again, who had stopped to help pull the man up to uh, safety as well as help get Kirk. Uh, up off the embankment as well. He was then taken to a nearby hospital for a treatment of what uh, troopers described as minor injuries. Um, Trooper asked Kirk to stay at the scene so he could get some uh, additional information. Kirk said, yeah, I said, that's fine, but uh, I'm going to wait in my truck. He said, I turned up the butt warmers, turned up the heat. Frankfurt, the uh, lieutenant with the uh, state patrol, described Kirk as a, quote, good Samaritan who assisted the male driver out of the vehicle. Yeah, you know what? Let's call him a hero. I mean, honestly, that that is pretty heroic. I I know that there were other people who stopped, and I'm glad that they did. But there were also a lot of folks who saw what was going on and said, nah, not my problem. Or, man, that's terrible. I, I hope that somebody does something. And Christopher Kirk didn't just think that. He acted. And he did. In the right place, at the right time, willing to be able to do the right thing. Christopher Kirk and the, under, uh, the uh, uh, other unnamed Good Samaritans who came to that driver's aid. We thank you for your very, very good deed.
And I'm going to quit complaining about how cold I am in my office because I have not plunged into an icy river today. That is going to do it for this edition of Arian Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we're going to be talking with Cody Wisniewski of the Farms Policy Coalition. We've got to talk about that absolutely outrageous Fourth Circuit decision in Bianchi versus Brown. But there are a lot of other cases to talk about with FPC as well. So uh, be sure to tune in for that. In the meantime, check out BarryandArms.com throughout the day. We're keeping you up to date on the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. If you like what you see, I encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member as well. Just go to BarryandArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your membership. We're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Is our way of saying thanks because your support really does matter. And it truly does make a difference. So thank you again. All right. Enjoy the rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well. Be safe. Stay warm and dry. I'll add that in the day, too. And be free.